Hey, this is Taylor with a quick note. This episode features mature themes, such as drug use and suicide. There's nothing graphic, but listener discretion is advised. If you or someone you know is in need of support, 24-7 help is available at 1-800-273-TALK. Now, on to the show. The dog is dead. The car that cut your bus driver off zooms ahead. The bus driver didn't say dog. She did say something else. But since you're in the fifth grade, you're not allowed to repeat it. The rest of the class laughs, and you cringe a little, because the laughing is usually toward you. Your teacher shushes the kids who use the word. It's, by the way. And she threatens anyone who says it to be stuck with her for the whole field trip. You've never been to the zoo, or at least not without your mom. Because, well, you know, the, th- the thing happens sometimes. Last week, at your older sister's karate tournament, you begged your mom to let you go on this field trip without her. Your sister is in high school now, and she's gotten to do karate and all sorts of stuff by herself. But you've never gotten to do anything, because you're the weird little sister with the seizures. Even with your mom right here, you still have to wear the foam helmet. She lets you go but only if there's a parent with you. And you say there will be, even though you don't know. You don't lie to your mom, but now you're on the way there. No clue who's supposed to be watching you. You take out your notebook and draw some more. Superheroes, girls with flowing capes and super speed and no stupid helmets. The teacher shushes everyone and walks down the aisle with a ball cap and has everyone pull a paper slip out of it. She says this will be your partner, and to find the person with your matching half or double your number. Always some learning game. Oh no, you think. You sit alone in the front row, and scooch around to look behind you, peering over the bus seat. Everyone shouts out their numbers and waves and high fives. You look at your number. Twenty-six. No one shouts thirteen. You're embarrassed to say... But you do anyway. You motion to her and show the teacher your number. She shushes everyone and asks, who's got number 13? You hear an, oh, do I have to? From the back. And it's Paris. She's pretty and has good clothes. And she always makes fun of your helmet. You wish you could be in karate so you could know how to chop Paris right in the neck. She sticks her tongue out and crosses her arms, and the teacher walks to the back of the bus to talk to her. It's the worst. It'll be cute, the teacher says. Two cities, Paris and Sydney, pointing to you, oblivious to how much you want to chop her in the neck. step off the bus as all the class buddies link up and go with their parents toward the zoo. Paris rushes towards you and grabs your small bag, the one with your medicine and notebook, and stuffs it into her backpack. She says she's not going to spend the day with you or anyone, and don't follow her. She runs off, and you're left standing there, with the zoo ahead and nobody else. You're alone, like you wanted, right? Like always. 
It seems as though every other group has a chaperone, but it's clear as the groups disperse that Paris's mom is not here. You don't know what to do, because all the other kids have a place to be, so you follow behind Tasha's group. They watch the sea lion show, and so you stand behind them and see. They shuffle to block your view and say the thing they always say you are, a creeper. They whisper it so the parents can't hear. You move on, straining to hear for your teacher's voice anywhere among the crowds. You find Bethany and Kevin in the reptile area. It's dark and cold and indoors. The snakes and lizards slither behind glass. You go up to them and ask if they've seen Paris or her mom, and Bethany says that there's too many creepy things in here now, and Kevin laughs. You leave, trying to hide your sniffles. You walk through the aquarium part and see a shark floating softly past. It doesn't seem so scary. You stay in the aquarium area, mostly because it's quiet and it's out of the heat, which is important to help stop, you know, the things from happening. You wish you could draw the shark right now. The zookeeper by the manatee lets you throw some lettuce into the tank. He says the school group is meeting by the elephants for lunch, and he asks where your adult chaperone is. You tell him, oh, she's just outside, and run out to find the elephant area. The teacher has gotten the picnic tables by the elephants set up with plates and forks, and your favorite thing of all time, hot dogs. You hear her explain to a parent that it was a great two-for-one deal from that red-painted place. He's been doing it every summer for the past 20 years. There's so many hot dogs. You grab one and sit closest to the elephants, alone at the edge of a bench. You start to feel hazy and know you should eat something to take your medicine. Your medicine? Your mom usually carries it, but you forgot to give it to the nurse for today's trip, and now it's... You feel something hit your head, and then a cold streak drip down your neck. You turn to look, and another ice cube thwacks you. It's Tasha at the picnic table behind you. She makes a heart with her hands and kissing lips and points over to Brandon. Brandon looks up, and you turn redder than ketchup. How does she know you like him? It's so embarrassing. You turn around, and the ice cubes keep coming. But there's no parents or teacher in sight to stop them. Your eyes get misty, and you take one more look over as the whole table behind you holds their paper plates smushed over their heads like helmets, like yours. The laughter is deafening as a whole hot dog hits you in the nose, mustard and ketchup streaming down. You wipe it away with the tears and see Tasha's face right in yours and can't take it anymore. Trying to remember your sister's moves, you raise up your hand and slash down, karate chopping her stupid smile. Ketchup streams down her face, though it isn't ketchup. She screams, and you run away, the ground sliding beneath your feet, pulse pounding in your head. You thought it would feel good. You feel worse, afraid of the punishment to come. You knock on the door of the bus, and the driver wakes up and opens the door, letting you in. You sit in the front. She comments, what a mess you look like, and where's your chaperone? You stare ahead, unmoving. She says, this isn't about a boy, is it? And she won't say anything, except she remembers her daughter in school, was torn up about leaving this guy senior year, which you're not in. But you seem like a smart kid. She caught you drawing in your notebook in the rearview mirror. 
Anyways, she didn't even know her daughter was dating anyone, and then there she is, bent out of shape on the phone in college. And who wants to admit being oblivious to stuff like that? But then you know, everybody's got something. Everybody's going through dog. The bus driver didn't say dog, but you're not allowed to repeat that one either. She says it looks like your class is coming back now, and you get first dibs on seats. And then you feel woozy again, because you missed lunch after all, and realize you still need your medicine. You rush out of the bus through the parking lot and past your class, slipping back into the zoo. As you pass the lions, you realize the zoo doesn't have any more people in it. It looks like things are shutting down. You're going to be stuck in this zoo. And, you know, the thing's going to happen, and nobody's going to know. The heat still clouds the air, and you've got to get inside somewhere. You feel a haze again, and it's coming soon. There's a door to a small shack, but it's wedged shut. Just some water would help. So you push. Nothing. You karate chop the handle with your hand, but it stings. Come on! You take your foam helmet off and feel bad because you're never supposed to. But you wrap it around your fist and slam against the door. The door flings open. And it's a bathroom. And Paris is here, sitting on the floor. She's got your pills out. And her face is white. And her hands are shaking. She's been in here the whole time. You know she doesn't need them. You ask her why she's taking your medicine. She says she's thinking about it. People do this when they're very sad. Her mom didn't come today because her mom is very sad. Her dad screamed not to tell the teacher or else not come home. You don't know what to do. But you see the backpack spilled out, your notebook on the floor, and the superheroes without the helmets. So you put yours back on. I'll tell the teacher, you say. Everybody goes through dog. But you do repeat the word this time, and Paris smiles. And then the thing happens. The haze covers you and you pass out and hit the ground as the bus driver and the teachers and the chaperones and the zookeepers rush into the room. You wake up later, like you do, and the nurses and the teachers and the school learn about everything and put you and Paris together as partners from then on, for field trips and projects and even to go to the bathroom, because they think you are friends. And they're right. Thanks so much for listening. The Dog is Dead is written by me, Taylor Zablowski, at a table in the public library, recorded under a blanket in my closet, and edited in a fast food restaurant booth with the nearest power outlet. Let me know what you think by leaving a review or sending a message at podcastgod.net. Thanks again for listening, and stay tuned.